Hello and welcome everyone to the 89th episode of Everyday Eternal. With me as usual tonight is my co-host Callum Smith and we're gonna come to you with a bunch of different topics tonight. Callum, how are you doing? How's it going, man? I'm good, I'm good. It's uh, Monday and first day of work of the week is uh, gone, so I'm feeling better already. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Feeling good, feeling good. Um, you, you know, Germany has gone on like soft down, uh, soft down. Yeah, I soft guess down. that's one of the light lockdown. And yeah. we're currently discussing going on a harder lockdown. But yeah, I'm spending most of my time at home. Yeah. I'm trying out a couple of different steak recipes. Dude, I had no idea how much I was missing out on stuff. Yeah. Seriously. I, I saw your picture of some crazy uh, meal. I think you said we're going to make a uh, channel in the Discord for like food porn and stuff. And, yeah, um, everybody in Discord started posting their, their pictures, right? Yeah, Tom yeah. posted something. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, that's cool, that's cool. I'm a vegetarian, I've been almost my whole life, but I ate meat for about two years in my teenage years. And uh, the only thing that I kind of miss from that is steak. It was, uh, it's pretty it, good. <laughs> I, I think I, talk, I talked about it on my stream for most of my life. I didn't really know what a steak was. Like people say steak and you know it's like, I guess meat, but I didn't really know what it was until I went to the US in 2014. And maybe I talked about it, but one of my friends, he, he has an, a thing where he can't really eat many different things for like uh, health reasons, but he can eat steak. So for, for like the almost two weeks we were there, we ate steak almost every <laughs> other day or something because we went to, to like all these different steak places and stuff. And that's when I really discovered what it means steak. Like steak was something out of a Hollywood movie and stuff. And like, oh, wow, you can like have your own steak and stuff. And even in Germany, but it sounds weird, but it's mm -hmm. only like only then really fully understood it. Well, there's lots of so, things people don't understand, like uh, hash brownies and hash browns as well. Oh, who would confuse those? <laughs> I have no idea. I just... Uh, <laughs> Just a funny thing I notice people talking about. But the, um, the interesting thing is, do you think, because I thought there was the same, right? The interesting thing is, do you think they're the drug-induced, drug-filled things? Or do you think that they're like the breakfast food and people who like consume drugs <laughs> just randomly happen to want to eat hash browns? I guess that's mm. what the non-drug one is. Well, I don't actually know how hash browns got the name hash browns. I, I'm sure it's really, really quite obvious, but... You know, in England we have them quite a lot, so it was, it's. Oh, they're called hash browns in England as well. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even know what they're called in German. Maybe somebody can help us out in the comments somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> or on the Discord anyway. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, been been playing a bit of Legacy. Uh, played in the Legacy Showcase Challenge. Actually, got the oh, yeah. tenth place. I still don't remember how Solid. I did that because I was. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I was double queuing the, uh, what's it called, Anorak Presents Team Lotus the Box Dice, Dice City, City Games. Games. Invitational, but anyone can enter. But awesome, <laughs> but awesome event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was double queuing though, so I played something like I don't even know, like 11, 12 rounds, uh, probably more mm -hmm. rounds of Swiss, uh, back to back, not not even back to back, parallel. And yeah. the the Dice City Games event didn't really go too well. So <laughs> at the end of the Lexi Showcase Challenge, I was like, okay, whatever, min cash. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm tenth. I missed out on top eight on breakers. I literally like I. I was just so wasted. <laughs> I, <had no> idea. <laughs> I was almost going to go to bed. Like, had I made top eight, maybe I, I would have missed that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really can't double queue. So whenever someone says they did well in an event double queuing, um, it's impressive to me. I, I really struggle with it. You played as well, right? Did you, did you also play elves? Yeah, so, yep, I played elves in that same event. And uh, I also didn't do very well. So <laughs> I, I didn't double queue, as, as you can guess. But um, we'll get on to one of the losses later, because it's really, really funny that we both lost to the same person with quite the deck. But um, yeah, very yeah. funny. <laughs> the other matches, I I've actually forgotten already. 
but it was kind of like one of these win-win tournaments because for us it started kind of in the early evening so mark who eventually won it he um he finished at like 3 a.m in the morning so it was kind of like if i if you lose and uh, burn out then it's uh you should get to watch the rest of it and then go to sleep if not uh yeah, whatever. Yeah. It, it's but, um, funny you say 3 a.m. in the morning because for us in Germany, um, it actually went a little bit later and we were one oh, hour ahead, right? So it, it was yeah, more yeah. like after five in the morning for him and he, I think he had to work the next day, like the quote unquote, the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I played some other things. So I played in the, I, I think I mentioned it last time, I played the Manor Traders, like Swiss, uh, not Swiss portion, the the qualifying portion. I went like 8-2 before and then I rattled off a 9-1 after that. So I've been sitting... I was sitting at the top of the uh, leaderboard for quite a while. And then Mr. Thomas Hepp, who is, he absolutely loves being my arch nemesis. He just always has my number every time we play. He said he wasn't going to play, but because I'm at the top, he wanted to play. So then he went 18 and two for a 90% win rate. So he's, he's in first place now. I think it ends tomorrow evening or maybe actually tonight, like at 5 a.m. I think it was. So um, the prizes there are pretty good. So you get like 1K for first and $500 for second. So... He's being mean and a bully, but uh, that was fun playing elves in that. And, uh, Are you still su sitting in second spot? Yes. So there is another person, uh, Andreas, I've forgotten his surname, is sitting in, in with the same score as me, but I have a better opponent match win percentage. So uh, the onus is on him to play to try and pass me if he wants to. If he loses, obviously he, he uh, drops down and like maybe get less money. But uh, he might just decide to like play one match and hopefully win it at the last minute while I'm asleep and then... I might wake up tomorrow and see, <laughs> but I'm going to leave I'm, it. I'm not saying that he is going to do that. I'm like, definitely not. I don't even know him. Yeah, but yeah. There, I, I would. You could totally, yeah, but you could also totally scam that, right? By basically having two people queue up at the same time at like a really weird time. And yeah. like, I'm, I'm only mentioning that not because of him or, or that serious, but because somebody recently told me, and I can't really say anything who it was and who told me, but that, uh, I mean, everybody on, okay, let, let's phrase it this way. I think most grinders were aware that under the old payout system in leagues that was more top heavy if you had one account go 5-0 and the other account went 0-5 you were actually like winning quite a bit yeah because the, yeah. the payout was more top heavy and so the the way this worked is you take a really bad time for everyone and you know north america south america like anywhere in the world and then you also enter a league which almost like the the fewest people playing in the league that used to be Vintage and Dual Commander when we still had Dual Commander leagues. I don't know, maybe we yeah. still do. And then you have Magic Online open on two instances and you queue up against each other and then you instantly scoop with one of them and you do that all the time. So you, you end up having one account going 5 hour and 105 and if you're unlucky, you sometimes run to somebody else and you might have to win uh, naturally, but it was insane plus EV. And that guy made $15,000 in a month and Jeez. then called it quits because Wizards, um, you know, how Wizards re revolutionized, I guess, changed <laughs> the league payout system to be a flatter payout. I had no idea it was that much because I remember seeing posts on Twitter about it, like for Pauper as well. Um, I think Kendra Smith posted about it a lot. Like There's just all these random accounts which no one had ever played against and they were like the trophy leaders. And I was like, hmm, something is not right here at all. So I didn't realize it was making so much money though. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it blew my mind. Um, the guy told me about like some accounts, and I looked them up, and it's like five or five or five or five or five or five or five. Like, yeah, that's that's right. They, they didn't <laughs> anyway. even try and hide it. I remember seeing deck lists which were just like all basic commons and just all basic lands and stuff. Like it was, it was so obvious. 
that. Okay, the audacity in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. That's basically asking to be caught. <laughs> yeah, it was quite quite funny, but yeah. No, we we do well with meme decks. We we actually play for our wins, and so do other people in, in Legacy, um, especially with a deck that is kind of new, like. It's an interesting deck. We're talking about the Minotaur's deck because that deck actually has a really deep history and legacy. It recently started doing well again, uh, thanks to our friend Stefan Schütz, also known as Mental Misstep or Cedrus, uh, who basically kind of created it as part of a challenge by Anorak, right? Anorak told him, hey, I'm going to put you on coverage. And then Stefan was like, you know what? If you're going to tell me ahead of time that I'm going to be the, the round one feature match in this tournament, then I'm actually going to play a meme deck. And he worked <laughs> on this Minotaur deck for actually quite a while, apparently. I thought yeah. he had just like put it together and dragged it. It was like two, out, two or three weeks. He was sending me screenshots as it went along and things. Like, uh, he, I, I, sh I should have played it myself. I said that I would play it at the very beginning, like two weeks before the event. And then we were thinking to get other people on board. We thought Orim will probably want to play this at least. And uh, But then we just, we just didn't follow through. And uh, I registered with Elves before it was too late. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was it did better than me and you, so it's obviously better. <laughs> obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, before we go into what this deck actually looks like right now, I want to quickly go over the history of what I want to call Thunderbluff 3.0, because that deck really, really goes back. So, it takes you all the way back to 2006, only two years after the, the creation of the Legacy format, the way we know it today. And there was a thread on MTG The Source, and if you don't know, that used to be, um, isn't really anymore, the place to be for Legacy, and it's it's a forum. And somebody came up with this meme decklist, they called it Thunderbluff. It has like all Minotaurs, and it tried to be like a Minotaur beatdown deck. It had cards, like just to give you an idea of the power level of the deck, it had Telrum Piper, which is a 3-3 three, three for 5 mana, and all creatures able to block it, need to block it, so I guess it's like a taunting elf for five mana. All creatures with the flying have to block it. Oh, uh, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> but I, I love the flavor of it, like it, it yeah, plays yeah. the pipe and then all the dragons come and try to block it. <laughs> God, this card is horrible. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's what you did in Thunderbluff. Um, we, we had the, the Tyrum champion. Tyrum really has a thing for, for Minotaurs, apparently. Mm -hmm. It's a 3-3 three, three for five mana, once again. It has first strike, and whenever it blocks or becomes blocked by a creature, that creature loses first strike until end of turn. Um, yeah. That is serious. Like, yeah, okay, I've got nothing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a serious ability. Like, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's basically what everybody says when they see the card for the first time. Actually, I got nothing. <laughs> like, this just completely destroys Thalia in combat. Like, not only is it a 3-3, three, three, but it takes away her first strike as well. That's insane. Because that's going to make the difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a creature, so it doesn't get affected by her attacks. This is like the anti-Thalia card. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if, if you need that little extra punch, then we got you covered with Anaba Spirit Crafter. Four mana, one, three. But Minotaur creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, so it counts itself as well. So it's actually yeah. a four mana, two, three. See, that's All upsides that, here. It's like onboard tricks. You know, people are going to attack him with their Thalia, and then it blocks it, and it's a two, three rather than a 1-3. Which... Oh, and they don't see it, yeah, because yeah. they're used to the new template. Exactly. <laughs> crazy, crazy. But yeah, the, that, that, that's <laughs> just like the, the first version of the deck. It came out in 2006. It was, is, if you like your legacy history, it is one of the biggest memes in, in legacy history, kind of. And my favorite part about the deck is that they actually made up a card for it. So you didn't see it in the deck list, but then in the sideboarding <laughs> guide and in the strategy se uh, section, 
people talked about Annabar Grunt. And I mean, this was the best card in the deck, wasn't it? Yeah, people talked about how it's the best card in the deck, but then this matchup, you you would side it out because you didn't really want to do the combo with it. and Or like, in one of the matchups, they said, oh, it's not that good against aggressive decks. And then in the other matchup, they were like, oh, it's not actually what you want to have against control. And then obviously you don't want it against combo. So the, the hilarious part <laughs> is it was part of the deck, of the deck tech, of the primer. And for a while, nobody called it out, but everybody just played along and, and talked about Annabelle Grunt. And that card literally sounds like it should exist, right? Annabelle oh, is yeah. always yeah. something about Minotaurs, and Grunt sounds like something would work with Minotaurs. So, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I remember someone making making up a card, and it was like a, I think it was like a ringleader. It was like a four mana two two ETB. Look at the top four, and you get all the Minotaurs in your hand. You know, they should actually put it into play. That That's what we would do today. That, that would make it good then. So then you didgeridoo it in and oh my God. Yeah, and didgeridoo is actually the card that keeps all of those decks together. Um, It was already present in Thunderbluff 1.0 as well as Thunderbluff 2.0, which is a deck that I don't know if wins um, our friend Pleasant Kenobi made it, but he certainly popularized it which was, I think, a mono-blue or blue-red uh, combo deck that basically used artificial evolution to change creature types in Emrakul and Grizzlebrand to Minotaur mm-hmm. and put them into play using Didgeridoo. And for those who don't know what Didgeridoo does, it's an artifact from... Is it actually Homelands? Oh my god, that would be so bad. Uh, pretty, it's Homelands, I'm pretty sure. Oh my god, it's actually... We are playing Homelands-Minotaur <laughs> combo. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> it's one mana, and you can pay three mana to put any Minotaur from your hand into play. So for years, people were like, ah, oh, this is nearly broken. This is almost broken. We are almost there. And then, bam, Boris Battleshaper, Morok Fury of Akim, Sethran Hood on General. And if you don't know anything about what those cards do, maybe, Callum, can you tell us a little bit about the cards that broke Legacy? Yeah, so Boris Battleshaper, or is affectionately known by some as Boris Format Shaper, is a 5-5 for 7 mana, for 5 and a red and a white. And it's Minotaur Soldier, so you can put it in with Digidu, as you can guess. And at the beginning of each combat, so yours and your opponent's turn, up to one target creature attacks or blocks this combat if able, and up to one target creature can't attack or block this, this combat. So, I mean, the fact that you're doing it each combat on each turn for a creature to attack and block, you're just, you are completely dominating combat. So, um, I've seen some screenshots from Stefan of, like, you know, beating Emrakuls and Marital Ages with this very easily. Uh, it's, uh, it does dominate combat, as I said, so it's a pretty funny one. So that was the first Minotaur that was kind of playable. And then recently, in uh, in Jumpstart, we got Sethron Herloon General, which is 5 mana, 3 and a red red for 4-4. Four, four. It's a legendary creature, Minotaur Warrior. When Sethron or another non-token Minotaur enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-3 red Minotaur creature token. And as an activated ability of two and a red or black hybrid, Minotaurs you control get plus one plus one and gain menace and haste until end of turn. So you can see the tricks on here. You have Sethron in play. You your opponent is like, okay, everything's okay. You've just got a four four, and then you attack in, and then you activate the didgeridoo, and then you put in Boros format shaper, and then you make a two three token, and then you spend your mana, and you've got like soul lands obviously, and you pump the team, and it's just crazy. So all of a sudden, that's like 13 points of damage with haste coming your opponent's way? It's roughly a million. Like, you don't really add it up because they're Minotaurs and they don't do that kind of thing. But it's pretty close to a million. Minotaur math. <laughs> but what actually makes it closer to a billion is the new one from um, the latest set, Rise of Zendikar. I, I don't even know how these these uh, set symbols work anymore. They, they it, look all the same to me. Yeah, it, it's something of Zendikar. Rising, Zendikar Rising, I think. So Morog, Fury of Akum. That sounds like a, a word you'd say in Lord of the Rings. Akum. 
Anyway, it's a six mana, four and a red red for a six six legendary creature, Minotaur Warrior as well. Each creature you control gets plus one plus oh for each time it was attacked this turn. I didn't even know it did that actually, so this is news to me. <laughs> and um, landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. So this is where it gets crazy because you, you remember we were making about 20,000 uh, two, three red Minotaur creature tokens with Seth Rune. Boros Battleship is making all your opponents marital ages not be able to block. And now we have Marug making you have like all the combat steps. Although the combat step, the landfall thing is really, really trolly because it's it's worded pretty terribly, I think. Do you know how it interacts with fetch lands? Do you want to explain that? Um, <laughs> I'm not even sure because we also got to talk about how both Murok Fury of Arkham and Boros Battleship are actually bugged on Magic Online. <laughs> so I can tell you how... Like That's I can meant- semi tell you how it works on Magic. Let me let me start at Boris Battleship as okay. as we talk about um, issues, or, or maybe we, okay. No, maybe we actually just got tomorrow. We were ch- because we were just about to explain this. Okay. So the way it works with fetchlands is you can put a fetchland into play on your second main phase. That's how I at least did it because I streamed the deck, and then it basically as you end your second main phase, it jumps you back to beginning of combat, and then you get to attack again. The thing is. Technically, it doesn't give you a third main phase. So after that attack phase, it should put you to end step, which would mean you couldn't crack your fetch land anymore to get your third attack step. Yeah. So that would mean you would need to crack your fetch land before moving to your second. <laughs> this is like <laughs> fucking complicated. So, so, okay. so what you need to do is, is what you're getting to is you need to, if you have a fetch land with it, you need to play it on your second main phase and then crack it immediately on that second main phase before you go to another combat step. Because then triggers twice you have two more combat steps one is uh, stacked and then you go back you attack again and then you have the third one already saved so you don't jump to your end step like you said but what's even worse so so it's bad if you just crack it and then if you play it and then don't crack it straight away but what's even worse if, if you have it in play and then you play your land for your first attack um in your first main phase then it triggers you get and you get an additional attack phase but that one happens before your normal one so you go to your extra one this is the one that untaps all your creatures. And then in your second normal attack phase, it doesn't untap your creatures. So you have another combat phase, but all your creatures are tapped from attacking the first time. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's so weird and, and like convoluted for what they obviously just meant to like give you more attacks. So yeah, PSA, play your fetch land and crack it straight away on your second main phase. There we go. I mean, Minotaurs are very mythical creatures. They're nobody understands them. They're like sphinxes or something. Yeah, um, they're they're better spe- sphinxes, I think. Yeah. In speaking of mythical creatures and bugs, so let me quickly get to the two bugs that exist that exist for these two creatures in Magic Online right now. For Morok, we said that you don't get an extra main phase. You know, like I guess a lot of people by intuition would think, oh, if I get an extra attack phase, I also get an extra main phase. You shouldn't, but on Magic Online, you do. On Magic oh, Online, I, yeah, okay. I make I made that stupid mistake where I didn't crack my fetch land right away, but I still got an extra main phase. So chat was like, "Oh, you, you you've been saved by Magic Online, I guess." Maybe they they're gonna fix it if this deck starts to dominate. Maybe they don't because <laughs> honestly, it's probably just lazy programming. So instead of like adding an extra attack phase, they probably just like skip you back in the turn because that's how it's probably how all the other cards work that do that. So 
Yeah, yeah. And for Boris Battleshaper, um, it says that the creatures can't attack or block until uh, they can't attack or block this combat, which means that once you go to your main phase, they can attack or block again. And then if there's another combat phase, those initial creatures that you'd selected to not attack or block, they could technically do it again unless you select them again. But Boris Battleshaper basically says they can't do it for the entire turn. So once you do your uh-huh. second set of attack attacks, you can pick different creatures, and the ones you previously picked still can't attack up. This is incredibly complicated. Is, is this the most complicated deck? In the, I can't <laughs> believe R and D didn't test this deck for Legacy. This is ridiculous. They didn't test uh, <laughs> Boris Battleship and Morug. I, I wonder if there were actually like things in, in in Standard or Draft or something at the time because it might have come up. But, but maybe people were just like, you know, we just don't care. We they don't yeah. pay us enough money to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. So. Should we mention that we both lost to, to, to the mono-red aggro version of this deck? Because the, the way that Stefan built this deck, and the deck list is going to be in the show notes, it's a Painter deck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's two f- versions floating around. Maybe you quickly go about Painter. I, I guess there's not yeah. really too much to say about it. It's it's a Dittery do tra- uh, Minotaur Painter deck. It plays one Trinket Mage and a couple of Cantrips and, of course, Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast in the main deck. Is that's... Yeah, it's it's pretty much it, and so he's using like the soul lands as well as their good did we do obviously. Um, his reasoning for the paint of half was not because he needed to like prop up anything especially. Uh, he said that the deck is just too easy to lose against control for like the meme to do well at all. So he said he needed to have main deck red blasts to deal with Oko and Uro. Otherwise, there's just no chance these cards are gonna get the job done. And so he uh, he just thought, all right, if I'm playing main deck red blasts, I might as well play painter. And that's it. So it's uh, a pretty, I, I mean, it's it sounds simple, but it's quite a clever way of doing it when you notice how the meme loses so hard and then you fix it. So he said he hasn't lost a control, I think. Yeah, I, I could see that. I actually streamed this and I started out 3-0. and o, uh, Like, I really didn't expect that. And <laughs> I think I played against, like, Snoko and some, you know, rock, rock midrange stuff like Pokepile. Mm-hmm. So... The Didgeridoo is, is strong, and especially because of Morok, um, because it gives like plus one plus out to to each creature for every time it has attacked this turn, which sounds so weird. I've killed on the third turn of this deck. Like you put Didgeridoo into play on the first turn, you get Morok down on the, on the end of your opponent's second turn, and then you just attack on your third yeah. turn three Hedge- times. You attack for yeah. seven, eight, and nine. That's crazy. It is pretty strong. Like it's it's a joke, but it's it definitely kills people. and painter is a fast combo as well like it can kill turn two so yeah i've I've won with like both monitors and painter rather evenly even though i only played two leagues thus far um they are on my youtube right now uh, youtube.com slash c slash it's tune in 23 and i wonder where this deck is gonna go because uh, it feels like i mean obviously it started out as a a meme and then it actually did okay-ish recently it feels like it's maybe one or two minotaur synergies away from being super broken somebody else i read their name is dan stop maybe somebody else tried to do that as well at least that's the guy who managed to beat us in the in the ncd invitational yeah they played a monorack monorad punishing fire did they even play blood moons i don't even, oh yeah blood, uh, blood suns, blood okay. suns. <laughs> yeah and they played all the minotaurs i got really crushed like uh it was my first round i believe I think so. And, uh, and then I was just joking with Stefan before the first round started. And then, like, you know how MTG Melee pops up? It, like, pops up with the deck list at the side. I just see Didgeridoo as the first thing that comes up. It's like, oh, I'm against <laughs> Stefan. And then I see a different name. Like, what on earth is going on? This is ridiculous. And so, um, 
game one i killed him on turn two which is like okay i i just like used all my luck there and then um uh game two and three were like chalice games and then this is where the deck like could be elves rather than stefan's deck i think he had chalice but he either had the punishing fires to kill the shepherds that would get through the chalice and then i didn't really draw the decays so yeah i got like properly stompied out but then the the minotaurs kill you so fast as well so it doesn't give you like a, an extra couple of turns to try and draw out of it i just died so fast yeah that's how it happened pretty much to me i i think i actually got blown out by fury confluence twice and looking at the deck list apparently ah. it's a one-off hey. <laughs> nice <laughs> I'm but sure you deserved it, it for, for some reason. Oh, definitely. Because you you always draw your one of progenitors, so it's you got to draw those one ofs. Yeah, I'm so lucky as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, for that list, we're also going to link that in the show notes. That plays a couple more minotaurs. Um, they just like do damage, draw cards, yeah. add mana. And does anybody actually know what afflict does? Because one of them has afflict three, and I actually couldn't remember what I that. I think it is. is if you block this creature, you lose three life. Something like that, right? Uh, um, yeah, it, it, it's something about combat, and when it doesn't deal damage, then it does deal damage. It's, it's, whenever a creature with this ability becomes blocked, a defending player loses life equal to the afflict value. So yeah, whenever it, whenever it becomes blocked, they you lose three life. But I do want to give like a proper shout out to Dan who played this because I did chat like a tiny bit with him, and uh, I just said, "Oh my god, I love your deck. This is crazy. You're playing it." And he said, yeah, um, you know, I want to play the event just to support it and stuff. And um, I might as well do it with a fun deck at the same time. So I love that attitude. And um, it was really cool. Like, you just cannot be mad about losing to the, such a, such awesome nonsense. And for, like, someone that's just really supporting and stuff as well. So love it. Don't change. Can we also... You're giving a shout out to Dan. I want to yeah. give a shout out to Death Bellow Warcry. And if you <laughs> yeah. know what this card does, you are really cool. Otherwise, everybody's listening to this podcast is cooler. But <laughs> Death Bellow Warcry, probably the best sorcery since Ponda or something. This is this is one of the <laughs> future most defining cards of Legacy that's probably going to be banned. Thankfully, they costed it a little bit too high. So it's five colorless and three red for a total of eight. Apparently, but in testing, this was a one blue green to cast <laughs> <laughs> so what it does strap yourself in search your library for up to four minotaur creatures with different names put them onto the battlefield and shuffle your library like what the fuck this is tooth and nail for for minotaurs like on steroids for four of them as well yeah a little funny anecdote story so marcus who as we know loves to play blue decks he played against uh, dan in the same event as well and he said it was like game three and Dan puts Death Bell Walker on the stack, and Marcus just kind of paused. And uh, he, he said he typed that, he, like, you know, what does this do? I'm not sure if I should counter it or not. And then apparently Dan just laughed and said, look, it doesn't do anything. You can you can let it resolve. You're going to win anyway. <laughs> the, uh, the thing is, like, the audacity to actually let that resolve, because you're like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. I actually want to find out. I think he, I think he had it. a moat in place, so he's kind of cheating. I mean, there must be Minotaurs who can't get past a moat, you know? So yeah. Somebody well, who, like, just, like, shoots over Anima the moat. Grunt just combos off against it. Oh, Anima Grunt is, is the final answer to it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. like, the best thing you can do. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, going forward... Should people buy Didgeridoo? Is is that like how big of a thing is this deck gonna be? I I would say the deck is not gonna be a thing. Like straight up honest, it's it's a really cool joke and stuff. But Didgeridoo already had a price based on it's cool, it's really quirky. Uh, I think people do like play it sometimes in EDH decks with Minotaurs and things. The deck is not bad. It's like it does powerful things and it's fun. So if you have some money and they're not too expensive now, 
I don't think the card will go down because of the quirky aspect, at least, plus reserve list. Um, I'm going to eat my own words in like two years here, but I'd be surprised if it actually like properly spikes and stays very expensive. But yeah, it's 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 because it's not that much now. It's not a bad buy because it'll stay that. But I don't see so, it's going to like break the game anytime soon. Yeah. So so just to give you an idea how much it is right now, it, before that the Minotaur week we had on Magic Online, it used to be around like three to four euros. Apparently, friends of mine who bought it earlier this year, they, they must have been in the know, I guess. They told me they bought it for like one or two euros. And now it's around 15 euros on card market. In the US, it's, I think, sold out at SCG and CFB between 14 and 21 dollars. But on TCG players, it's between 15 and 20 dollars, which for a reserved list card, I mean, that's what you would expect for a, for an unplayable reserved list card. This is I guess less than... That is pretty cheap, actually. Yeah, it is because I was about to say like the do isn't unplayable, right? It's mm -hmm. it's playable in in this like tier three, maybe tier two deck, uh, depending on what they print in the future. And I think if anything, I mean, if you're the kind of guy who would like to play this deck, I mean, now is the time to get your play set because, like Kelly mentioned, it's it's probably not going down. Yeah. If anything, it's going up. We don't know how far up, uh, but <laughs> I, I wonder whether it's like a you know a playable a playable EDH general or EDH Minotaur away from from being really broken. Because as Ben Blyweiss of SCG always tells us, Legacy isn't the format that drives those those reserve plus prices up anymore. It's always EDH, and it has been for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. There is one more approach to this deck as well. I just remembered you can do the really cool thing with Arcane Adaption and then play Goblin Lackey. So you you lackey into arcane adaption name uh, goblin, and then you can put emrakul in emrakul or grizzabrand in off lackey. I just want to oh add because that. you you change the creature type of the Chiridumi or on lackey. Oh, oh oh okay now I see okay so yeah. you're basically using lackey as additional copies of the Chiridu because you yeah. either change the creature type on the Chiridu or you change it on lackey and <laughs> yeah. I sh I just needed to get that out there that you can play like goblin matron for emrakul and then put it in off lackey. <laughs> Next broken thing. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing now, but the next NCD invitation is waiting for us. <laughs> I know I'm doing. That's going to be a thing. Um, so in the second half of the podcast, we are going to talk about a couple of spoilers that are going to come up in Commander Legends. Uh, but before we go to that, uh, I want to quickly talk a little bit about how Magic looks, at, or rather Legacy looks right now, because I'm under the impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like there's like the top five decks in Legacy right now that are rather well established with regards to how often you see them do well in tournaments. And do you agree? Or maybe you should so. just go. Yeah, okay, then let me just go over them really quickly. Yeah. Um, I gave them affectionate nicknames. So the first one is <laughs> the Fat Ninja, Rakdelva, because you know it's not the lean tempo deck anymore that it used to be. The second one is the Bulldozer, Five Color Snowco. The third one is the Lost Sun, Death in Texas, because it's back now. The fourth one, I actually wanted to come up with a better name. I called it the Chaotic Good Fs. That's that's a lame the, nickname. The, there's no there's no bias here at all, is there? Oh uh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the fifth one is uh, the Wildcard Buck Hogak because everybody's like, yeah, Hogak, okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know. And then uh, they're like, I have four ley lines. I hope I mean, it's good enough. The deck always puts like two copies in top eights, but also gets so much trash talk. Uh, so it's probably somewhere in the middle of both of what those things are saying. But I think this, this wild card could be anywhere. Like, I think Urza Echoes is very strong. I see you mentioned it as well. Like, Cloudpost decks have actually been doing very well recently. There was a couple of challenges. There was a weekend one or two weeks ago where, like, it, 
top hated both and had two in one. It had a finals in one of them. Oh, you did? Did you watch my stream earlier today? I did not. I did I played you? against Cloud Blows like three times in a row. Wow, really? <laughs> I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, so I guess weird. that happens. I was yeah. even talking about to somebody like how I never face cloud post and and then there's that. But yeah, you you also mentioned you mentioned uh, Ursa Stompy. I also yeah. put Blue Red Diver down there because very recently in the most recent challenges, Blue Red Diver started doing well again. And I think Blue Green Omni is also good. Not only because it just won the challenge. Um, I, I've always had a feeling that that deck is better than it's being represented in the meta game right now. Kind of. And I I think it's it's. It's it's not bad and it's very strong, obviously, but it's it's. I'm not sure if it's actually better than Sneak and Show against a lot of the things. And Sneak and Show is not. Yeah, like Orem has been talking about this for a long time. He's saying um, the deck is just like trying to masquerade as a control deck a bit too much, and it, that's how it can like have an okay matchup against Delver for that reason. But you lose against the other combo decks then uh, a bit more than you want to. Whereas Sneak and Show with the fast mana just like you know just you have these insane draws of turn two show and tell a lot more consistently or turn one sometimes so i don't know in my opinion actually omni is built wrong these days like whenever i played it, i always played two or three petals and two city of traders and uh, i'm sure look at the list now but i very rarely see them these days so i can see one city of traders and zero lotus petals in this winning list and it's very rare to see them now and i think you really need to keep the fast man aspect of it to some extent there was a time where I was like playing some mix of Elvish Spirit Guides and Lotus Pedals as well. But um, I really think you need to have this fast mana to be able to combo fast in the matchups you need that, or to get around soft counter magic from Delver and stuff, or to have Veil of Summer into show and tell and stuff. It's it's important to be able to do this on a relevant turn and to play around Thalia better as well, like with especially with Death and Taxes coming back. So that it's interesting my, you mentioned yeah. that um, because my, my friend Marius Hausmann, who just built the deck, one of the first things he concluded and just told me the other day is that he also thinks the deck needs to play more City of Traders. He didn't really speak mm-hmm. about Lotus Petals, but I mean, the, that's the general strategic trend that you both mentioned. So there's yeah. probably something to it, I would think. Yeah, definitely. I, I just, whenever I see, like, I like Coatl in the deck and I think two or three is the right number. I don't like Sylvan Library in the main deck at the very least. It could be like a one-off in the sideboard, but it just feels so against your normal plan. Like the deck is already using its your life total resource as a resource. You're getting attacked down. You, you don't want to be paying life for cards. You want to pay mana, and then you just want more mana to be able to cast your spells to build up to then combo off. Because once you combo off, there's very little that can stop you. So um, yeah, I think people are kind of just going down this control axis too hard. I kind of like a couple of Uros in the sideboard because they're very effective against Delver. But um, when you start going Uro and Oko and Ice Fangs and then and you don't have the fast mana as well, you're just such a clunky deck. So, <laughs> so yeah. eventually you're just like a worse, worse version of Five Color Snowco that has a bunch of unplayable cards. And, yeah, kind and of. Then, so. I think the big draw to Blue Green Omni um, has always been, at least for me, that you get to play something like Three Carpet of Flowers. Mm-hmm. And that really makes it so that you... It often feels like you have more show and tells in the deck because it sounds funny, but if you play the deck, it actually comes up quite often that you literally just hard cast Grizzlebrand with your with like two carpet of flowers in oh, play, yeah. and then you don't even need that. And what I lo- I loved so much about playing the deck with carpet of flowers was that it just feels the drawn from dreams. I, I wanted to play like two or three copies of drawn from dreams, which is I, for those who don't know, it's the the fish through time. I call it. It's basically <laughs> a four mana dig through time that that's 
is a sorcery, which is sometimes an issue, but mm-hmm. with with carpet of flowers, you can resolve it quite reliably, and it's something that the opponent must think twice about letting resolve or not, because it's only gonna yeah make the problem even bigger for them if they're already behind. Totally, I love this card, and I played three, and I would play three now if I played it. I can see one in this winning list. Um, you can like affectionately call uh, carpet of flowers plus drawn from dreams. It's like twin, like they go together. Carpet Flowers is very good against the soft counter magic and get around like taxing hate bears and stuff like that. But you do need something extra, and the deck only plays the four show and tells and then one Eureka in this thing. So you do need a bit more action to be able to find the show and tell often. And um, with all Delver decks playing like a like a, a load of Pyroblasts and stuff as well, I think I just have I just remember always being able to play the Drawn from Dreams. And if it resolves, then you find Veil of Summer and Force of Will, the show and tell you need. If it doesn't then they're using a pyroblast which is not countering on show and tell so um yeah i uh, big on this so i would i would recommend playing like three drawn from dreams and three carpet of flowers and it's also just better when you have more cities and petals because you do get the two cards back and you can power through your deck and it digs really deep so it's, it's fine to just go land land city drawn from dreams yeah. i just noticed it's interesting how much we speak about these decks because the top five decks they are rather set in stoneish right now um death in texas had that recent adaptation from i think it was xj cloud with the the sky noodle thing and what's it called it was Yorian. Uh, it was actually um luinil who i think he actually got it from michael braverman originally who won a challenge with it like six months at least ago and then he tried it out again recently and then just i think he said he tried it because he wanted to just see if it's good and then he just kept winning and winning and winning. And he was like, okay, this is actually this is actually really good. And then XJ adapted it and then wrote a very good guide about it. And so it's like a... I, I still can't believe that that's a thing. I'm, I don't <laughs> know. Um, <laughs> from the guy who got a lot of shit for playing 61 cards every once in a while, I, I'm not buying this 80 card mono white deck. It's... Dude, sorry. I, <laughs> well, I can't get behind that. They put, they put forward some good reasoning. So the main reasoning he said is because their best... The best cards, which is Aetherval and Thalia probably, just aren't as good as they used to be. Um, Aetherval was the lights out against control, but now everyone has Oko, and there's just more decays about. It's not as insane as it used to be. And even Delva has Oko for it if they need to. And um, Thalia is just like a lot of combat decks can go through it as well. They either go under it or whatever. That's one of the core reasons why they think it's good. And I think I think basically they're saying Yorion is better than having a more consistent Aetherval against control, which makes sense to me. So, I don't know, they're having better results with it, so I think fair what enough. What does Yorin really do for you? I guess it blinks your Recruiters and your Stoneforge, and then your Flicker Wisps, which blink other stuff again. Yeah. I mean, you, you yeah, just, that's cool, but... You just trade yeah. with these decks so much as well. It's just another really big has-to-be-answered thing. Like, you have to... There's four Recruiters in the deck, obviously, because you have to fill up 80 cards, so it's very likely you'll have just, like, a 1-1 Recruiter sitting around or a Flicker Wisp, whatever... And then you have to either counter the Yorion, which is going to be a forcible usually, unless you board in Pyroblast against DNT, <laughs> um, <laughs> or you have to kill the recruiters, which then is like another two for one for you. So there's no real good way of answering Yorion unless you're already very far ahead. Okay, it- oh, okay. I guess you also have Skycliff apparition, which is another thing you can blink that does mm-hmm. something. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So you're really saying I've got inevitability, and I- I'm happy if this game goes long because I don't care about your. Oko, Uro, because those are going to get Skyclef up. Well, I guess... Yeah. I think yeah, Appar- Apparition yeah. is what made the Snow vs. DNT matchup close. Like, 
probably quite even. It can it can go either way depending on how people build their decks. Like Spirit of the Labyrinth is a huge part of why it's good in the matchup as well. And I think Yorian. It's it's crazy to think that Snow was the deck that like people were saying killed DNT. And I think with Yorian builds, they they could definitely be slightly favoured. I don't I haven't played the matchup from either side, so I can't say with certainty, but I can I can definitely see on paper favouring DNT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean. I'm still not super convinced about it, but I'm always happy when DNT is doing well. So, mm -hmm. and no, that's not because I play primarily elves. It's just like I love that that you know creature mid range play style. Yeah, that's just what I want to see well in Legacy, and that that's just like such a big part of what Death and Texas is all about. So, I wonder if this deck is going to continue um, seeing play because that that it, it feels like even though they play eighty cards, that density of hate bears that I actually care about has has increased. I think I've lost to the deck twice or something <laughs> ever yeah. since it was created. I guess it's not a big sample size, but they I've been hard locked by I think it was like Canonist, Mother, Containment Priest, and Spirit of the Labyrinth. I think yeah. that's literally the hard lock against elves. Like you, you need something like Marsh casualties to break out of that. It's it's hilarious. They I've I, I think I've played against it four or five times in my small playing of elves so far. And I haven't lost to it, but a lot of them were two ones, and I think I got like fairly lucky to win them, or I had very insane hands. The matchup do does not feel as like as landslidey as people say or, th or think, or I thought it was. Uh, Spirit is a huge piece of that puzzle because you can like containment priest, but then they can still glimpse and find the natural creature hoofs and stuff. But if you're shutting off, shutting that off, and the the natural order, then they can't really do much. That gives you all the time to get it online. And as you said, with Mother Runes, there's only three abrupt decays or four sometimes. It's There's not a lot to get out of it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why I always say that Ether Swan Canonist is the best hate bear they can have because it shuts yeah. off Glimpse, but it also shuts off the draw engine with, uh, with, with Visionary. Absolutely. And if you... So you either commit to drawing extra cards with Visionary or you advance your board, which at some point will hopefully give you, you know, a Cradle into Kraterhoof. But in order to make that more likely, you actually need to draw more cards. So, oh my god, Kenos makes it take forever. So uh, the, I want to go say the card can die in a fire, but it's actually one of my favorite type <laughs> of cards in Legacy ever because yeah, it, yeah. It, it at least used to be so effective against most combo decks. Yeah. Not so much anymore, especially with Doomsday in the format right now. Oh, by the way, we should have probably like mentioned Doomsday somewhere. It's just yeah. doesn't really see enough play. I'm still super convinced that the deck is insanely good i same i mean so these these five decks are i mean rug delve is still probably the king of the castle and snowco death and taxes and elves are just behind there are just a lot of tier two decks which is it's cool i think i think legacy is pretty open the problem people have is like how fun it is like people don't enjoy playing as oko and don't want to go too deep into that for because um it's been talked about quite a lot so far but um yeah there are some not fun play patterns but for having so many viable tier two decks, I think it's it's a fun format to play when you when you dodge the Oko matchups or whatever. Yeah, it's not it's not the favorite iteration of Legacy ever, but I'm having my fun playing it right yeah. now. Um, so, by the way, somebody who's been having a lot of fun playing Legacy as well is our guest for the next episode. So this is already a small preview. We're gonna have Mark Vogt, a good friend of mine. Mark's probably maybe the person I've known the longest ever since I started playing Legacy. I think that's nice. Like something like 15 years now. He goes by Baby online and he's literally been winning almost everything over, over the last one or two months. He's really, really good, isn't he? Yeah. Like, like yeah. really, really good. <laughs> yeah. I love watching his stream. He's super chill and he's but at the same time he's animated so he really really likes playing well and winning he really looks at every single 
every turn he processes everything and you can see that he's super in tune with everything and a very like sharp understanding which it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone if they've like, watched him play as well i mean he won the last gp as well uh, he's, he's just fantastic he won the GP, he won the NZD Lotus Box Dice City Games event, he won a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then I think he top aided like another challenge. And yesterday he came ninth in, in the challenge. I, like, I don't want to, I mean, we're going to talk to Mark on the next episode, but I really want to say that I've met a lot of people and I've played with a lot of people in Legacy. And he's easily one in, in the top three players I've ever met in Legacy with regards to play skill in Legacy. Maybe the best I've ever met. Um, it's it's kind of hard to make the call the best, but he's incredibly good. And I'm actually really happy that the, more of the world is going to know about him now because like, after winning a GP and all these events and, and destroying Magic Online, dude, I'm, I'm so looking forward to, to seeing Mark on the next yeah. cast. And by the way, if, if you guys want to submit questions, hit us up on Twitter at EternalMTG or join our Patreon to get into the Discord and ask questions there because we are definitely going to have a ton of questions for Mark on, on the next episode. Yep, definitely. Also, uh, by the way, he's he's playing, he's the last Miracle Man, I want to say. He's the <laughs> last person playing a dedicated Miracle stack. I think he still plays like two or three Terminus, so I guess that counts. Uh -huh. And yeah, it's it's the Barn version, Splashing Red. So if you have any questions about that, I, I've seen Anorak try it a little bit, but he, I think he didn't like it too much. So uh, Marcus also doesn't play it. And there's not really too many other people right now who, who'd even be interested in playing Miracles. I, I guess Min would be interested, but Min is more like a chess guy. There's, there's, some, there's some dedicated people out there as well. There's... um. A user in MTGO called Bruno. I've forgotten the second name. He always plays Miracles and very often of the straight blue white variety. So, or straight up blue white without red. Uh, maybe with red as well. But uh, he he foregoed green for a very long time. I think he's fallen that way as well recently as well. But there's definitely some real diehards out there. So, shout out to them because uh, keep casting predicts. <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah no mark is really still i mean he's not playing it because he loves miracles exactly i think he does genuinely think it's good and i think terminus is at a point where being able to like support a couple in your deck is very strong because the format is very creature heavy we've got delver deck and death and taxes elves and hogek as four of the five top decks you just mentioned so yeah it's interesting he actually cited out terminus on a stream quarter I, I i think we're going to talk about that like more on the next yeah, cast but yeah. it, i just want to mention how educational his stream is for not only if you play miracles but also if you just want to understand the way he approaches the game and like what, what what's going on on a strategic level because i sometimes see him side out terminus in matchups so i'm like wait you just sided out terminus against rock diver and he's like yeah they basically just want to have like one thing in play and and ride the victory and i'd rather have you know like more cheaper removal spells and counter spells than this clunky terminus and yeah that, that that's something we definitely want to talk about with him on the next cast so definitely send us your audio questions that you have for mark i might send some as well i'm, I'm excited to learn from him <laughs> you can ask them live on stream actually <gasps> that's true oh my god yeah <laughs> you're gonna be starstruck it's like oh mr mr fucked <laughs> please please don't terminate me <laughs> <laughs> he just terminates both of us and talks by himself for two hours oh okay who's gonna edit the podcast then <laughs> okay so that that's what what we're gonna have for next week for this week we want to go over the commander legend spoilers because that's i think that's coming out really soon now right it's kind of hard to say when cards are really coming out with like all this delay in paper magic so. yeah i think it's I think it's this Friday. I think the card's going to be legal this weekend. 
so I'm not sure exactly which day, but it's it's soon, this week at the end of it, I think. Awesome. Okay, cool. So we selected a couple of cards that we think might be legacy playable that are going to see play and some that are barely not going to see play as well. I think you, you did the extra work. You actually added a couple of meme de- uh, meme cards as well. <laughs> no, they're, they're busted. I promise you. Do not talk badly of my bro, uh, Rock Rack, son of Rock. What is it? <laughs> Rock Rack, son of Rock. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would never. I would never. <laughs> good, good. You were talking about the other ones. Okay, good. Yeah, let's start it off with... Okay, I'm going to go with the first one here in our list. It's called Chess Caspel. It's a sorcery for two colorless and a red, and you choose one. Technically, you could cho- choose both if you have a commander, but we, we are lawless. We are anarchists. We don't have commanders in Legacy. <laughs> so you can either add one red for each card and target opponent's hand to your mana pool, or you can exile the top three cards of your library, and you may play them this turn. So this is like, I think I think we've seen this before in similar red spells. Active Impulse is the... Exactly. Yeah. The, the kind of red draw spell that makes it so that you have to cast it right now. Obviously, it would be amazing if you could do both, right? Because then you get those extra cards. Yeah, that'd and be insane. Get, that's actually pretty <laughs> insane commander now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. I just have to say, I really hate that they have this like commander text or partner on a lot of the cards if they're going to be legal in other formats. It's just very ugly to me. Like it doesn't make me want to play with the cards in other formats where it's like just this irrelevant bit of text on the card. But anyway, small rant. Carry on. <laughs> no, um, I, I was going to hope that you would explain um, how this card is actually going to be broken because I, okay. I can see it being used, you know, in something like Del and uh, not Deva and something that you know the first thing that comes the to Ruby, mind is Belcher. Ruby Storm. Okay, my my first one was Ruby Storm. Yeah. So yeah. Acton Impulse is a, is one of the best like action cards in that deck. And the fact that this can be an act on impulse is probably what it's usually going to be. But a, a ritual against like a control opponent, or even just if you play it quickly, I think this is like a slam four of in Ruby Storm at least. Belcher, uh, I think it's just a bit, I don't know, it's a bit too clunky. For three mana, you could be adding like three or four mana very often. And then it, Belcher can't take advantage of the XR3 cards thing. Like it doesn't yeah. have enough mana, so... So, um, well, I guess you, you, if it's going to be artifacts and stuff, then you can just like put them into play, you know, like Lotus Pet. I, I guess it doesn't work off, on Spirit Guides, right? Yeah, because Spirit that, Guides, and then you have like two mana rituals, you have like yeah. land grants and stuff. So the reason I was thinking about Belcha is because you remember when we ran that challenge where everybody was playing Belcha and, and Orem was actually giving us the Belcha Bible, which had oh, yeah. um, that four mana spell that added, was it like seven mana or yeah. five mana? It's Iron Crack Feet. Exactly, and you can only play one more spell, which would be Belcher, and you kill them. Does that does that five mana? Does that seven mana? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it's seven, which is perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then we don't need Cheska spell anymore because yeah. that's what I was thinking. For three mana, you get enough mana to play a Belcher and activate it. But if you have, if you already have that, well, it's one mana cheaper here, right? It so is. It maybe. is. Yeah, yeah. I'm struggling to see it in Belcher. Really, I think it's both effects are not quite good enough to to do what Belcher needs because. It's it's kind of like just weak against hate. And there's like very diminishing return on it as like if the game yeah. goes late as in like turn two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like if if it, if your opponent knows you have this, they can very easily kind of just play stuff out of their hand, I think. Awesome. Okay, yeah. cool. So not gonna see playing Belcher, but Ruby Storm is, yeah. is Ruby gonna Storm gear very up good, to I'm sure. That's the next thing that's gonna cool. take over legacy after Minotaurs. <laughs> or oh, this could be played in uh, Minotaurs. No. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that. I think Minotaur's already broken yeah. the way it is. 
a card that might be broken or not is gonna be Court of Grace. There's an actual entire cycle of cards. This one's the white one for two colorless and two white enchantment. When Court of Grace enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. But if you are the monarch, you instead get a 4-4 four, four white angel creature token with flying instead. So the way the play pattern of this is usually going to be, you run this out on your turn, you become the monarch, and then you try to stay the monarch for a turn somehow, which, you know, white decks, white blue decks, whatever you want to play this in, have ways to make this work. And then you untap, and then you should be in a really, really good position. Not only did you already draw your extra card, you also have a 4-4 four, four white angel in play, and you're gonna probably going to draw... Yeah, you're going to draw another card at the end of your next turn. I don't know how good this is going to be. Something that actually excites me about it is that people I really trust on their card evaluations, which by the way includes Mark, so we're probably going to learn more about this card in the next episode, is that he thinks this card is so broken that Wizards didn't even test it because there's no way this could have slipped through. And I mean, we know they don't test Legacy, but he says this is so obviously totally broken that he thinks Wizards like made a huge mistake on this one. And I'm not fully seeing that. How about you? Yeah, I don't see fully broken, but I think it's really, really good. Uh, tell me when I'm allowed to complain about the Monarch because it's probably my least favorite thing <laughs> in the format. I absolutely detest this mechanic because you can't interact You're from with it Britain much. and you don't like Monarchy? Oh, absolutely not. Especially when it... Oh, why can't you just have a thing that kills the Monarch token? I absolutely hate it. But <laughs> I'm going to save you all my absolute rant about Monarch because um, I'm sure I'll do it in other places. I just I cannot stand it. But this card is inc incredibly strong, I think, as well. I, I, I'm not quite there on the this is obviously broken, but um, blue-white decks are going to very easily be able to... like. I think I think two is about the number you'll play, maybe even just one. But that doesn't mean it's not insanely strong because you're not playing a full playset because it's not a card you want to like have too many of. But it's very easy to like just play a couple of source of power shares, have a force of will or two, and then it just pulls you ahead. It, you don't need to do anything else other than just keep pumping out angels. It's a uh, moat has started to see a bit more play as well. So this is obviously fantastic with moat because it will protect you from the from like your opponent attacking you down to take the monarch quite easily and then you're creating flyers as long as you stay the monarch so um it's a bit clunky if you're trying to play two uh four mana white enchantments but there's definitely a shell like a blue white shell with this which is very strong i mean mark's probably going to play one or two in miracles as well and it's it's very good with ice fan quattle as well it's bad against quattle as well which is kind of interesting but yeah i mean you just want to like suit up turtle up protect yourself and then it just carries you home so it's it's pretty oppressive. Something I, I like about this one is something we also mentioned um, about Felida Retreat. It can't be Pyroblaster. It can't be Abrupt Decade. Absolutely. So, well, none of the Monarch cards can really be Abrupt Decade because once you become the Monarch, you can't decay it because it's bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Wait, that's how it works. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I guess the card of Cunning can be decayed. Yeah, it, it can. Yeah, then you decayed. still say the Monarch. You, yeah, you don't need the card anymore. Like you're yeah. you're an absolute Monarch at that point. You you, don't you have need to power blast on the stack. So, I mean, we'll get onto the. Should we move on to the blue one? So the white one is. Yeah. Let, yeah. So move on to the blue one. It's a similar kind of idea. So it's one and two blue. So three mana total. Enchantment. Uh, when it ETBs, you become the Monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, any number of target player each mills two cards. If you're the Monarch, each of those player mills ten cards instead. So to just finish our train of thought a second ago. 
this can be pyroblasted and it can be abrupt decayed but abrupt decay is pretty ineffective against it because you've already become the monarch you've got what you most wanted out of it and uh, pyroblast if it's resolved is the same idea but now this is going to completely play into the way you try to play around Veil of Summer with Pyroblast against Oko and stuff, where you would usually let it resolve and then kill it so you can't Veil of Summer. And now there's this weird game where if you have a Veil of Summer and you play a Court of Cunning and your opponent's like, oh, well, I have to counter this. And so Veil of Summer's they're going to protect it better. But um, the milling thing is pretty real. You can target each either player so you can mill yourself to find an, find an Uro, which then helps you protect it further, pull you further ahead. Um, and then in these control mirrors and stuff, if you have it, milling 10 and then into 20 cards is probably just going to win the game. Even though you'll mill over Uros for them, like being down 20 cards, the matchup very often comes down to like 15 cards anyway, because everything just trades with each other. So Yeah, I remember in these super long matches, well, they also happen with elves, right? And I often mm -hmm. joke on my stream that if I had a brain freeze here for, you know, 15 cards, I think I would just <laughs> like take this on decking. And this card of cunning, like... Unless they pyroblast it, right? You mentioned that that that's really the only way they deal with it. And yeah. I guess if you if you get, but decaying this is so bad. So yeah, yeah. Um, you're gonna be milled pretty quickly by this. And like you mentioned, you don't need to mill forty or fifty cards if you mill twenty cards. That's already plenty. Yeah, I think so. It's um, it's gonna create really swingy games because it can obviously really backfire. The white one just has more tools to protect itself because in white you have swords of plowshares. These snow decks do play swords as well. And they do have more board presence. Yeah, I guess they're both similar. And at least three mana is just easy to get down and protect. Yeah, if, if you play one of these and then lose the Monarch quickly, it's going to be very hard to catch up again because it's such a powerful thing to be the Monarch. It's it's hard to keep up. So it's just like another one of those cards that, that those non-blue midrange decks, you know, I'm thinking about uh, the, the older ones among us might remember a deck called Maverick. Those are gonna hate those cards. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you don't steal the monarchy back right away as they tapped a bunch of their mana, you're probably never gonna take it back um, as soon as they untap. And yeah, I just hate that. I, just, I, I don't know. I, I hope those are not gonna be as good as they look right now. Yeah. But same. they both of them look pretty good right now. And and I think the main place we'll see Court of Cunning is from Delver sideboards. Yeah. To, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just an insanely insanely good thing to bringing in against um, like control, obviously, like snow and stuff. Again, it can really backfire if they like Coatl or um, Oko, like an Astrolabe to haste it, essentially. Like, it can obviously backfire, but I think they're going to play a pretty good control game. Like, Delver can already semi-control snow with Clothis and like, Sylvan Library and stuff. Now, with this in the equation as well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Um, <laughs> and maybe we're also going to see it in the middle deck, you know... Um... <laughs> I've, yeah. I've been working uh, with that with my with my friend here, Kevin, and he. I'm not gonna lie. Like initially, I thought, okay, mill that 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 doesn't really work in Legacy. But then he sent me a couple of deck lists. We recently played it. We totally fucking annihilated Snowco. <laughs> like not even fucking close. We played against Snowco, I think, or and and I think we played. Oh, Lancel, yeah, Lancel was the. Oh God. Dude, Lancel. Oh that, yeah. That's what. That was almost pathetic. How much? How much we crushed Lancel. You're was playing insane. like what, three brain freezes against these control decks. We played four brain freezes. Four. We played eight craps. We played four <laughs> of those rogue thingies that oh, mill yeah. for two whenever a rogue comes into play, and then we play four bitter blossoms and stuff. Dude, we play everything. We play archive oh. trap. That that we could have milled them for two hundred if we wanted. That's that's crazy. <laughs> I I need to play this mill deck because 
it just sounds really fun. Yeah, especially once you start focusing on the cheaper mill spells, because I what I learned, um, I, I mean, we're <laughs> okay, a l- little bit of mill theory, what I learned is I want more but permanent stuff that mills and not like expensive big mill spells because they usually trade really badly against pyroblast but a bunch of like one mana things and now that we have eight crabs like if, if the crab is gonna end up milling you know nine cards or something that's already insane that's yeah. like yeah, one, yeah one sixth of the deck almost that's what i want and that also makes it so that it's really awkward for the opponent to to counter something because usually there's a couple of things coming down and then you get visions of beyond which draws you three cards to reload i i can't wait to try out the card of cunning and that kind of deck I'm going to just add in one of the new cards, which is further down our list, but I'm going to throw it into the conversation here as our next one to talk about and with Mill in mind. Uh, Croc the Thumbless. I just want to put this out there. So Croc the Thumbless is a one and a red for a 2-2 legendary creature, Goblin Wizard. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, return that spell to its owner's hand. If you win the flip, copy that spell and you may choose new targets for that copy. What do you think of this with Archive Trap? I cast this. Oh, you you you, you say you're milling. Oh, you, oh my god. <laughs> so so you you you're basically you're doing always this until you mill them twice. You're basically, always, yeah. yeah, you're gonna always copy your archive trap or traps in general. So I've got to give a shout out to my friend from London, Patrick, who is kind to MTG. Uh, he is obsessed with this card. And he's always talking about it. I think he's donating it to Phil. Uh, Death and taxes for the win, Phil. And uh, he's gonna probably submit mill. Mad scientist pro. Yes, exactly. Uh, the Dean, as we affectionately call him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Croc is a really cool card. We can talk about other uses and stuff, but I think it's a cool idea to put into Mill. You can, you have a lot of cheap spells as well. You play Cantrips and Surgical as well. You can, you're going to copy if you want to. And uh, just free stuff. And you can play Snuff Outs and whatever. Oh, playing this as zero mana spells, I, I didn't even think about that because, you know, um, the one of the most common things that people talked about is, is pairing this with Dreaded Arcanist. So you get, yeah. you know, you play your turn two Dreaded Arcanist and turn three you play this and I don't know, then you have a cantrip. And then you either copy the cantrip, basically, or you get to put it back into your hand because I was actually mistaken on how this works initially. Um, I thought that Dreaded Arcanist flashes it back, no. which would mean, you know, you can never put it into your hand, not even if you remand it, but it doesn't flash it back. It just casts you cast it for free which is like you cast it for different. free and then if it would go into your graveyard it exiles but Krak says nope back to your hand with you yeah yeah and like that that's the big difference right if it was a flashback then Karak wouldn't work because exactly, that's like yeah. a part of, of the flashback thing so that's something that people might be doing with it is there anything else you see see them doing with it other than the mill and the dread or darkness to use it's it could be tried in ruby storm as well um <laughs> honestly that 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 deck gets so much mana that it's often not a bottleneck and then you just like you can either recast the action spells or uh, get get double of them so maybe maybe being weak to like main deck removal is kind of bad but uh yeah i'll be i'll be first looking at the free spells he also mentioned uh summoning trap is pretty pretty fun with it like just any free spells as long as you can set set things up but two mana. So we, oh god, okay, we're actually going to look at, into this for, for the mill deck um, because the mill deck is already blue and black and it needs a lot of basics because it usually can't afford to be wasted too much. Mm. But maybe there's a way to, a way to make this work. That guy actually is kind of exciting, <laughs> not gonna lie. Double <laughs> yeah. or nothing flavor text. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty nice flavor text. So, yeah, I had to throw it in there. Um, okay, then we can cover the, the third court 
quickly. Um, yeah, the, 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 I think that's how people are going to call it, the third card. Yeah. And then there's going to be like a pause of a second or two because everybody knows this is probably not going to be insane, but maybe I'm wrong on this. It's called Card of Bounty. Two colorless and two green. Once again, when it comes into play, you become the monarch. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you are not the monarch, you get to put a land on the battlefield. But if you are the monarch, instead you may put a creature or a land from your hand onto the battlefield. So this is like a suspended show and tell and you need to like not be attacked for a turn for it to work is that the best way to describe yeah. it yeah it's tough <laughs> i mean green is good at is good at bogging up the board at least so you could play it in like you played a green stumpy deck recently right yeah but... yeah <laughs> i mean if, if you're playing these shifting ceratops and whatever other green idiots then you could like come up the board and uh, your opponent obviously hasn't got a Delver in play. Or you have like Never. a spider with reach that blocks it. Arachnid, whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then you just start putting more huge green, green uh, creatures into play. But I think it's not good either. Honestly, the, the most important thing about this in a deck like that would probably be the Monarch. It's just so you can draw extra cards. Yeah. And yeah. I think at that, I'd rather have a Sylvan Library because the deck usually doesn't have a lot of two um, slots in the two sl uh, spells in the two slot. True. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping you would have some mad scientist idea about that, but I think no. this deck, this card, no. The best I can give you is Sylvan Plug. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I already deleted it. <laughs> moving, <laughs> moving on. There's another card here. Um, I already like had a small heart attack when I read the name and I said saw the mana cost because it's Plague Reaver for three, and we know nothing good can ever come of a card starting with Plague that has a mana cost of three. It is a beast. It's a six-five. Whoa. Okay. Mm. At the beginning of your end step, sacrifice each other creature you control. So this. This is really only go ever going to be the only thing that you have, right? If you, if you want to play your 6-5 for 3 mana, this this is the kind of drawback that you're going to have. But then, interestingly, the card also does something else. So that that, that that's the beatdown mode of the card, right? But now the, the actual use of the card, I would guess, is going to be the second ability. You can discard two cards and sacrifice it, and then you choose an opponent, and you return the card to the battlefield under that player's control at the beginning of their next end step. Okay. So... Upkeep, oh yeah, <laughs> upkeep, upkeep makes it so much better. So the way this is going to work is this is, I guess, a repeatable Wrath effect for the opponent, but they still get to keep their 6-5. Like, uh, how do you think this is going to play yeah, out? Yeah, like, it's cool. It's, I mean, being a 3-mana 6-5 is, I mean, 3-mana in black is always like the, the magic number with Dark Ritual as well. I can kind of see this being played somewhere in Pox decks. Um like Pox doesn't want to have one creature in play, so it's kind of awkward with that because small Pox. But um, I know I, I like the second ability as just an option to have because having a three mana six five is going to make your opponent have to deal with that. Like if if they don't play re like easy removal for it, then they have to either extend to go around it or go go taller somehow. And then when they extend into it further, then you can use the second ability. They do then have a six five, but hopefully in your black deck you have removal for that. Um, I, I think it's probably not quite there. It's it's really a cool card, and I, I just don't see it being played in too much else. Um, I think there's just like no real play pattern. Like it's one of those cards where you think, oh, this is gonna be good against creature decks. The thing is, I don't really see the play patterns where it really plays out like that because they, you don't really stop them from you know untapping with their creatures and doing something with their creatures, and then if they you know sort of plowshares it or, or get rid of it, then it it didn't even do anything. So. 
I almost want to think of it like as a, as a stompy card that's just gonna be like a 6-5 for 3 and then it has the second mode that can actually use to to maybe get some extra value out of it um, otherwise yeah, I like, think like basically like a better version of Rex Indicator but it doesn't have Trample yeah I think you're completely right the play pattern's just that's the, the best point you can make I think I just just don't see how this fits into Legacy is exactly that disrespect to the demon stumpy deck actually these days we call it a curse stumpy actually true. maybe this is going to be easy play in curse stumpy i don't yeah. know I, I, oh, I, I still don't know how curse stumpy actually like what the, the holes that you need to fix in the deck are uh, i maybe think it's the perfect deck reaple cheap who's been playing the deck basically almost exclusively has said he's like he's like own for own 14 against control and he beats everything else so if, if it can okay. beat snow that fixes it but i don't think it does yeah, I think this card yeah. adds nothing to that. Yeah. yeah. In speaking of interesting play patterns, the next card that we got coming up, that's probably one of the two cards that's made the biggest wave, I want to say, in the Legacy community when it was spoiled. And that's going to be Halbreacher. For two colorless and a blue, it's going to be a Merfolk Pirate. That's amazing. It's a 3-2 with Flash. So that's already good. Mm-hmm. That's like, like that, Those are decent stats for, for a creature. If an opponent would draw a card, except the first one they draw on each of their draw steps, instead you create a treasure token. Keyword being instead. So this card, I think this card is going to be good. I can't yet tell you how exactly it's going to be good. There's like a couple of different ways you could make that work. But the thing that it's like a three mana, two, three with flash that has a very relevant ability and can be played both in Stompy decks as well as, you know, sideboard cards against... Well, <laughs> half the format, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this could be could be a thing in either blue. St- the, the problem with blue stumpy decks is we don't really have good blue uh, blue stumpy decks in the format right now, right? Mm. There's there's just like nothing. Well, there's the um, deck. Oh, <laughs> never mind, never mind. <laughs> which Even does which does play Echo of Eons as well. Yeah, I, I was I was just like thinking about <laughs> you know C Stompy and like attacking, attacking, attacking. No, we yeah. just can just we are way beyond attacking. We are in a post combat environment these days. Yeah. They say. Well, <laughs> I agree with you. I think the card is pretty strong. I think it's it it was overhyped at least. Like I saw people saying they're going to quit the format because of this and stuff. Like it's oh, come on. Yeah, exactly. It, I think it's overhyped, but I think it's it's a pretty strong card. I don't think it's actually that strong in the Stompy decks though, unless. Uh, there's a way to make like Cavern of Souls work. So we know Merfolk is busted and we know Pirates are busted. So maybe there is a really easy way to make Cavern work. But um, jokes aside, it's people are saying, oh yeah, you can replace Narset with this because the blue, blue is hard. But Narset finds the LED and the Echo. I think that's really understated. So um, I, I think this card is just going to be good in control decks and just blue mid-range decks and stuff. I think that's where you're going to end up seeing it as like a one or two of in them between the main deck and the sideboard i'd be surprised if it makes way like it makes a stompy deck actually good off the back of it are there any other good merfolks you could play like if you say if you can make Kevin, are there that, only a, like... are there any other good merfolks there's a lord of atlantis Kerrcatcher, silver gill adept anyway <laughs> i was just wondering whether there's any, anything in the yeah and the stumpy in the stumpy lists is the mm. oh, what's the girl who who mills yourself and and then you can play something from graveyard is she a merfolk oh yeah um she's em- got a merfolk wipe emery emery yeah that's the one yeah you could definitely make an emery hold breacher kind of shell um the awkward thing is like that's the only two merfolks that spring to mind and the other ones that 
they often have double blue in their casting costs and like stompy decks want the soul lands there's always this like tension of you want all your threats mm -hmm. to at least this this has the ability at the at casting cost of like two and a blue um it, you might just struggle with other stuff to fill that gap i mean the reason why cavern is not like an auto slam unless you find enough things that fit on the same creature type is well like the best example is uh in the zerda decks when i was like first trying to make it i played four because oh my god zerda you just cast it through cavern you win the game but when you have so many alternate game plans, so with this you want to be playing like Khans, I guess, as well, and other stuff. When half of your threats can be countered by Force of Will and half can't, you really need to go full slow or not. Because when you don't have the, the card that you could protect with Cavern of Souls, Cavern of Souls is just like a colorless land and it gets wasteland and stuff. It's mm -hmm. a very real mm -hmm. downside. So I think you need to go full slog Caverns or, or none at all. And then when you go none at yeah. all, it kind of loses some power. Yeah. I'm also not sure what you would actually end up cutting from the or so like the way it's built right now. I think you would actually. I, I like the idea of of Echo of Eons and the LEDs and that kind of stuff. I'm just not sure whether you would need to construct it in a different way. And I can only like like it's time will tell. But I yeah. can only imagine various versions just because Urza is so good. Like the entire Urza thing with all the artifacts and stuff. It's so good. It is. I think there are enough cards to cut. You could probably put three or four of these in and cut one or two now sets and like one or two baubles and uh and then if you do have four caverns in at least you can either cavern out emery or this and the, or then you can name human for sai or urza like it's not bad when you're splitting yeah, them no, half and nobody half. ever cut i think the the thing is nobody ever counters emery anyway <laughs> yeah yeah like, they just, <laughs> you're like okay oh they only got emery i'm gonna keep my counter spell for urza that's yeah. usually how the plays out true and at the end of the day, this is a creature that dies to bolt, red blast, push, and decay. Hashtag dies to removal. <laughs> it, it hashtag dies to every piece of removal in the format. That's We're, true. That's true. I think the appeal of it is the flash, right? You, they yes. play a brainstorm, you play this, and and they're going to be screwed yeah. because they got to put two cards back. I think going forward, people need to be wary of, of this potentially mm -hmm. coming out of your opponent's sideboard even just you know in fair creature decks like i could totally see this like being a, a one-off in sideboard of of something like snowco probably not maybe even diver because of the attacks but i think diver has better things to do yeah but maybe snowco i i think it's like a one of main deck kind of card in snowco oh, mi miracles even. yeah i think it's i think it's very good i'm just saying it's i think it's not quite as good in the stompy decks as it first appears um i think it's very good in fair decks though it has yeah. sweet artwork also. Yeah, I love that's it. That's always, yeah, it's, that's a big thing. Yeah, it's cool. And flavor text is, I don't need a map to find riches. He knows where to find those brainstorms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't need to find riches you're already, if you're already rich. Yeah, yeah true. Second card. Um, that's another, that's actually the one that I've heard most people say they're going to quit the format. Apparently, a lot of people are going <laughs> to quit the format over spoilers. Yeah. Uh, that's Opposition Agent. It's a black card, so two colorless and a black. 3-2, flash. Actually, it seems to be a cycle now, I just realized. <laughs> um, you control your opponents while they are searching their libraries. And the second part, while an opponent is searching their library, they exile each card they find. You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast them. Okay, that's. it sounds complicated, but I think it's actually pretty straightforward, right? Every time your opponent searches their library, you perform that search for them instead. So you can either like make them find nothing, unless they, they gotta find any card, but we don't really demonic tutor anymore in this format. 
or you can make them find something that you want and then you cast that or actually it says play right so you can also get mm -hmm. that that lands so yeah you can not only basically stifle a fetch land you also get an extra land drop out of that deck yeah did i get it correctly i actually struggled quite a bit with this no, card no. That, that, that makes sense to me i think i think that's bang on um yeah this card is really strong uh it's again i f my gut says it's being a bit overhyped as in the like people are hyping it up so much that it's like as you said they want to quit the format and it's going to break the format and it's just like the best thing ever blah blah it's not that i think but it's it's still very very strong i think this is another card that the the fair blue decks are going to want to play one or two copies of it, it's, it's it's hard to guess again because it does hashtag die to removal but flash does mitigate a lot of that and stuff so it also just has a lot of splash damage where the merfolk the whole breacher is obviously good against the blue decks especially because you turn off draws and stuff but here this hits as you said fetch lands but it's also hitting any other tutors against combo doomsday it's pretty funny like you just you just win against doomsday right and then uh yeah against uh, it's interesting against doomsday you, you still have to find five cards yeah because uh, as i just was talking about so if it doesn't ask for specific cards to be found then you must find anything but you just like find five unplayable cards and and then you did you win on the spot against doomsday if yeah. they reserve doomsday with this and play yeah yeah oh you, well, that's because you have the five cards exiled for you and then the rest of the library just exiled so they have nothing <laughs> it's, it's pretty mean against doomsday oh god i mean yeah. it's also really good against elves like it, it yes. shuts off, it shuts off natural order, it shuts mm -hmm. off greens and Senate, it shuts off um, fetchlands for dried arbor. Yeah. I mean, given the normal shutoff of a fetchland that ha that you wish would happen on the first, second, or third, and that's not really going to happen all that often, right? But it's an upside that happens like going on from turn three or four forward, depending on when you're whether you're on the play or the draw. And I guess there's going to be some weirdos who go like, "Oh, turn one fetchland, uh uh, dark ritual opposition <laughs> agent." Yes. Like, then you quit the format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> that's that's a strong play I, I just i'm not personally a fan of like that kind of cheesing kind of play in combo decks but um yeah turning your fetch lands is a real thing it's not like a one-time thing like stifle it's once it's in play it turns off all their fetch lands until they deal with it so i wonder if we can i mean human rogue is a very relevant creature type as well so i guess humans will probably play this you can get it with the recruiter of the guard it's also shutting off the opponent's recruit of the dude. This card is getting better <laughs> and better. Yeah, yeah. So dude, this, this, this is probably the best card can, in the set, I, I guess. Yeah, I think almost any deck that can play this probably wants to play it like as a one-off in the sideboard, unless it's like a like a like with combo decks. I don't know. Like you mentioned, that that's like the cheesy thing to do. Yeah. But almost any mid-range or control deck that has black, we don't really have. Do we have like black aggro decks? Not really. But any any no. mid-range or, or control deck that's black. I mean, I, I, I could honestly see this in, like, Grixis Delver. I could tour of. Main deck? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I think so. Like, they Delver always has these two to three threats that are above the two mana costs on the curve. Yeah. It's it's very strong. Like, attacking for three is fine as well. Flash, leave up your whatever, your Pyroblast, Spell Pierces, whatever's. And um, the effect is just good against a lot of the format. Like most things have fetches or some tutors of some kind, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm still like, yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to be like Hull Breacher. Both of them are going to end up just being good in the blue fair decks, mostly. <laughs> but we'll see. There's a pattern. Yeah, I, I don't want this card to be good, but yeah. I think it's going to be good. But I yeah. don't think it's going to be format ending good. But I hope, like, I hope I'm right on this. <laughs> it's probably very good in Maverick as well, actually, with all the dorks. 
Oh, you get it out. You ramp it out turn two, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like turn two is a pretty respectable yeah. time to get into play because mm -hmm. it's already playing black for like Plague Engineer and Kaya. So, yeah, I can see it there. I hate this card. I just hate all these <laughs> time can't, will can't, tell. Can't. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I agree. I want to. This is another one of those can't 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 sets. Yeah. Well, at least we only have is it two? Well, I guess the monarch is like you can't play. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Monarch is you can't ascend to the monarchy even though you might try. <laughs> I wanna be I wanna be a monarch. Let's talk about a couple of worse cards. I think the rest of the cards in our list are not gonna be very good. Yeah. The next one we got coming up, you will probably have to explain to me how this is actually gonna be broken <laughs> or not, because it's a weird one. Do, do you wanna take it? I'll take it. So Wheel of Misfortune is uh three mana, so two and a red like Wheel of Fortune is usually sorcery. Each player secretly chooses a number zero or greater. Then all players reveal those numbers simultaneously and determine the highest and lowest numbers revealed this way. Wheel of Misfortune deals damage equal to the highest number to each player who chose that number. Each player who didn't choose the lowest number discards their hand, then draws seven cards. So in a 1v1 kind of game, you both choose a number. All right, choose a number, Julian. Just... Um, Let's say we are in the mid game, you play this, we're both on 10 life, I will pick 6. Okay, let's say I picked 5. That means you take 6 damage and discard your hand and draw 7 cards. If I pick 7, that means I, I take 7 and discard my hand and draw 7 cards. And, and nothing happens to the other player. That's what I think it says. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I don't know, people hyped it up again. I, I really think this card is terrible, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I, so why is it on our list? <laughs> hey, you put it there. Um, I, that's true, that's true. No, it, it did get some hype. And like, wheel effects uh, can be powerful. But the thing is, it's just not, it's not a consistent wheel effect. It doesn't wheel the opponent, which is sometimes good. I don't know, people have said in aggro decks you could see it, like... I oh see. yeah, and burn, I could see this. But the yeah. thing is like, uh, okay, here's but the thing it's, it's, um, about but, burn. But three mana to wheel is just like, it's, I don't know if it's that good. So so here's the thing about burn. Um, I, like that that's the kind of deck like burn, maybe even like a creature heavy burn version. I, I could see it in or anything that's really aggressive, maybe even like blue, blue red diver. But for three mana, there's already a couple of options. And I think the most common one is Sulfuric Vortex because that shuts off life gain, which is one of the most important things in legacy right now. Yeah. And that's also much better in multiples because like this one, there's diminishing returns on this. Like I see life total goes lower and like as you as you want your cards to do something, you in a burn deck, you usually wouldn't resolve this more than once anyway before the game is decided. So I think, oh, and also there's this new enchantment, right? The, the one where they take five damage if they cast a spell for free and it also like keeps dealing them damage. Yeah. And I think all of those, uh, it's something like ro rolling... A rolling Vortex. That's the one. Yeah. And I think all of those are better than Wheel of Misfortune. I, I've seen some combo builds of this float around, but they all didn't really work, at least the ones I saw on Reddit. Or they were so complicated, nobody's ever, actually ever going to make them work in a tournament. So yeah, the combo is like, uh, is it Pact of um, Intervention, the White Pact? You, yeah, the there's combos? a couple of different, different yeah. ones. I guess you could use the Pact. Um, I guess or you Soulfire could Grandmaster. Use... <laughs> that's that's the one that gives it uh, lifelink, yeah. right? Yeah. So you you just <laughs> so you just choose a million, and then you uh, you gain. But a then million. I have chosen a billion. Like if you have Soulfire yeah. Grandmaster in play. Oh no, I, I still can't choose a high number because then I die to it. <laughs> that card is really <laughs> fucked up, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call it bad. That, that, that's yeah. the podcast way of calling it bad. I th I, the, the reason I think it's bad is because it's very easy to see 
what the ceiling is and even if you do get to do what you want it to do most of the time the fact is it's not going to do that a lot of the time as well and that's just way too bad to have on a sorcery for three mana in the format i would consider it for one mana yeah well one mana is super abusable then Dude, i'm gonna i'm gonna be one of those you know those wannabe ceo types that you run into at university when they study business business administration and they smoke their cigars and wear their like way too expensive shirts and they're like yeah make the deal of one mana it's gonna be fine yeah he's yeah. gonna pay for it it's like yeah that's it's <laughs> that's like i just imagined myself anyway yeah I, I could i could sell this house to anyone i promise and then you sell it for like half the price see i told you i could sell it to anyone one of them <laughs> and they don't even end up paying that's, yeah, that's yeah. how it works <laughs> right. um, I'll let you have on. the next one it's, it's your kind of shtick this one I, I was just about to say that this is not going to be it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> we got Magus of the Order I like that they continue the thing with the Maguses that's just like an established thing in Legacy right now it's 3-3 uh, three, three for 2 colorless and 2 green so basically the um, same one across as a natural order you can pay one green, tap it, sacrifice it, and another green creature, and then you get to search your library for a green creature and put it onto the battlefield. So it's the effect is straight up natural order, but you also have to sacrifice it. Actually, I just realized that because you have to sacrifice it and another creature. Mm. Uh, okay, okay, but, but okay, oh yeah, no, that's that's fine because natural order also goes through graveyard. So it's always going to be a two for one against yourself, but you're going to get you, you know, your progenitors or what have you. Yeah. This has just like Nick Fit written all over it, does it not? Maybe, yeah. I, I could also kind of see this in these um, just like green stompy decks. Like they're always playing caverns and stuff. Oh, you don't need to play it as a sorcery. Oh, no, that's interesting. Okay, so mm -hmm. if, so, if, some, if somebody was about to kill one of your creatures, then you can use this and then it's going to be like a straight up one for one. Yeah. And then it's actually going to be okay. I mean, uh, yeah, you still need to sacrifice it. So I, it. I, so I don't think it's like the anti-removal kind of card because it's still a one shot. But I don't know. I could see this in just these like, yeah, as I said, stompy decks trying it out, but it's probably not very good. Yeah, but the thing about stompy decks is always like when you tap your mana, like on a second, third, fourth turn, you really want impact. Yeah. And every time you do something that doesn't impact, that just like gives your opponent breathing room. Your opponent's like, oh, now I get to, you know, it, it's like, true, like I'm true. not a good chess player, but it's like if you, I'm not a good chess player like at all. <laughs> but it's <laughs> yeah. like if you if you start losing tempo and stuff, it's like, oh, you, the payoff is not that great because it's time they printed the, the, the 2020 haste pretentious or something because... Uh, Kratuv isn't enough. Yeah, but this card... Uh, I mean, yeah. the best case is like you play it in Fs and then you send it for your natural order and then another turn... No, that's not happening. No, it's, it's not <laughs> Sorry, happening. man. It needs, you need to play with Cordant Crossroads. Yeah, that that's... You know, that's the Nick Fred way of saying a card could be good in Fs. Like, everybody, every time <laughs> some, something comes up, every, people are like, this is going to be good in Fs, so you just need to splash Concordant Crossroads. <laughs> then it's going to have haste. And like, yeah, let's not let's not go there. We've been there like 20 years ago and it wasn't good. Let's leave this up to um, Ryan Wingtessar. He keeps playing Cordant Crossroads decks. He calls them Allosaurus Shepherd Stompy decks. I think he does Wait, it in... in Legacy or in Vintage? I'm not sure. Both, maybe. <laughs> But he keeps he keeps playing Cordon Crossroads with like uh what's the worm that's like one a green? Um whenever you gain life, put that many world one counters on it. Voracious worm? I'm not sure. Anyway, that that is a card, I promise. And he's that's playing a thing? he's playing it with uh Allosaurus riders, not Shepherds. But he has Shepherd as well. And then you just play um Nourishing Shoal with 
the the 15 mana worms and so you put 15 counters on it and it has haste from the crossroads it's, it's really good deck building i promise so you're talking about legacy or vintage uh, that's insane it, it could be either <laughs> so <laughs> so maybe we see that there probably not <laughs> yeah i'm not buying it <laughs> sorry i'm actually okay. gonna delete this from the from the thing okay <laughs> it is deleted. moving on okay moving on we have dargo the shipwrecker it's a pirate giant i, I just love the flavor of the card yeah. it's a six colorless and a red seven five creature and now you would look at this and say okay this is like a straight up beta vanilla creature right it's seven mana at seven five pirate giant not playable but whatever but mm -hmm. now this pirate actually gets cheaper. Also, it has trample and partner. Fuck, fuck partner. We don't want partner. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes are bleeding, I know. Uh, monarch as partner. An <laughs> as an additional cost to cast a spell, you may sacrifice any number of artifacts and or creatures. This spell costs two less to cast for each permanent sacrifice this way. And, oh, here's the important part. It also costs two less to cast for each other artifact or creature you've sacrificed this turn. Callum, how do you break this? Uh, Lotus Petal. Lotus Petal is one of the things that comes to mind. So also the Bobbles, right? Yeah. So let me just read it again. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. So there's the thing. So you you sacrifice Lotus Petal. So Lotus Petal essentially adds three mana to cast this, right? Like Lotus, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Lotus Petal and the other Baubles. Yeah, like you say, so you sacrifice them. Yeah. So you could just go Petal, Bauble, Bauble, cast this. Yeah. Okay, and then they play crack. And then your opponent Caracas. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, okay, delete it. Moving on. I, that's no, no. I I missed the I I misread it. I thought that it was like you just take it, you just sacrifice stuff, and then it gets cheaper. But the fact that you um, can just sacrifice baubles and stuff, it's that's a lot better than I thought it was. Let's let's put it at that. That's why it's in the list in the first place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I totally misread it. So that is a lot of mana off. So. Yeah, I can see. I can see this being messed around with. That's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just the problem of like. I, th I think the reason you don't want to do stuff like Lotus Petal with it and more like Bobbles is because it's such a, a high risk if you actually use you know Lotus yeah. Petals, whereas the Bobbles they're still going to give you extra cards and then maybe you're going to cast it again like on the following turn. But the f the fact that it really just costs Lotus Petal Bobble Bobble that's that's not very much to put into a seven five trample. That's true. Because you're drawing two that's cards true. off the Bobbles again. And even Oko might be too slow to stop it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get if you you could do it turn one, obviously easily. All right, I'm I'm on board. I like the giant pirate. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, that there's another card that's actually a throwback um, to a card that used to be a thing in Legacy for a while, and then kind of went away yeah. together with Garuda, right? Yeah, well, so yeah, it is Garuda we're talking about. So. The with the companion change, it's not really being played apart from in there's like a bomb man deck, which is people play from time to time. But yeah, this is a quick shout out to Sakashima of a thousand faces. So if Garuda ever if they for some reason change the change the companion rules and Garuda can be good again, this is like an instant four of in the deck, I think. So it's three in a blue for a three one. It's a legendary creature, human rogue. And uh, you may have Sakashima of a Thousand Faces enter the battlefield as a copy of another creature you control, except it, is except it has Sakashima of a Thousand Faces other abilities. So it's a clone, but it still keeps its uh, second ability, which is the legend rule doesn't apply to permanents you control. So um, the thing with Garuda previously was it's legendary, so you keep cloning it and copying it, but then you, you need to find the spark double, which like can uh, create more copies. But here with this, you can just keep 
cloning, 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 and you and you keep every single creature that you would hit off it. So, yeah, just thought it was worth a quick mention that um, if anyone is still trying to make Gyro to work, you want to play this card. Yeah, <laughs> that's all that, I have to say it, about that's it. That's it. It's it's a it's a quick in and out. I hope Gyro never comes back. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one is just. I just have to shout out how cool this card is. Is Rograk, son of Rokka. I think I'm saying that right. Which is a kobold. So it's a 0 minus 0 1 with first strike, menace, and trample. <laughs> I just love the idea of a first strike, menace, trample, 0 1. And uh, yeah, you can play this in Cheerios. So, uh, and um, Hydra Ball. Hydra Ball is like the uh, green uh, glimpse. It's like um, Cheerios, but it plays uh, Gaia's Cradles and uh, Crater Hoof and. Summoning I think you've talked, you've told me about the stack before, and I still haven't heard about it like yep. ever. I'm I'm not sure if it just like only exists like in London it's, or something. It's one of the few amazing decks where you can like have one of your best hands and start going off and still fizzle like eighty percent of the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's impressive how much it fizzles. I think I I think I've streamed it twice and gone like two three and one four, which is pretty above average actually. It but, sounds exactly a kind of deck that would want a zero one first striker. Exactly like. This is where the power is going to come from. And it plays uh, Cyborg Beastmaster Ascensions. So, um, yeah. Oh, now I know which deck you talk about. I actually, <laughs> I saw you stream that. Yeah. I think I've never saw you win with it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've won with it much either. Cool. Okay, so that card exists. <laughs> yep. I think the last card that we got that will probably have a chance of seeing play in Legacy is going to be Armex Filigree Thresher. Uh, for three mana, so two colorless and a red and a black. It's a 3-2 legendary artifact creature, Golem. And when Armix Filigree Thresher attacks, you may discard a card. When you do, target creature defending player controls gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of artifacts you control, plus the number of artifact cards in your graveyard. And it has partner as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like too much of these. Love partner. So... So this is another aggressively cost. We can't even say aggressively cost a creature, no. but it's every time I see just a single color, I'm almost immediately thinking Stompy deck. But yeah, we already I, talked about how black doesn't really get a lot of love for aggressive Stompy decks these days. Well, I think this is could be very good in Steel Stompy. Steel Stompy like does struggle with playing good removal spells, especially against like Delver and stuff. So this can very easily like you do put artifacts in the graveyard. You can have Artbound Ravager to kill bigger stuff if you need to and stuff. Um, the mana cost is not hard to get off because the deck never wants to play double color uh, casting pips in, in the deck. But yeah, two and a black is very castable. Yeah, I could see it being like if the deck is already playing a Vault Scourge as it is and then you want some black cards sometimes, I think this could be like a two or three over in the deck quite easily. Mm. You're not seeing it? Um, I mean, it's an <laughs> artifact, so that that helps it with like, you know being synergies with Ravacha and stuff. Uh, what I don't like about the idea is that you s you're still not stopping Dreadnought Arcanist really unless you like force them into an attack they don't want to make and then you maybe get to block Arcanist with a big Ravager or something. Well, that, that's, that's only if the Arcanist comes down at the same time or before. If this is down already, then you, if you have um, the, the enough cards in the graveyard, you attack and kill it. Yeah, okay, okay, and then you c you can create a scenario where you don't even need to discard anything relevant because your graveyard is already going to have a couple of things, so it can... Yeah. It basically turns any card into your hand into a remover spell. Kind of. Yeah, it, it's, oh. it's not insane. I, I think it's got potential, though. I, I think we're going to leave it at potential. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. <laughs> okay, That's okay. fair. 
another card that's gonna be probably really good, not in Legacy, but actually in Pauper, is gonna be Fall from Favor. It's a creature enchantment, or I guess we call them auras these days. It's for two colorless and a blue. And when it comes into play, uh -huh, you become the monarch again. There's Yay. lots of kings in this format. Uh, kings and queens. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step unless that player is the monarch. So that's basically a removal spell that yeah. doesn't lock the creature down as hard as similar effects of this type would do because, you know, once... In a way, this actually feels a little bit like a three-mana version of, of Palace Jailer. Yeah, it, it's like that. Yeah, this... I mean, this is going to take Pauper by storm. It feels just so oppressively good because the blue decks are already so good there. The reason I put this on is because I think it really could... People can try it in Legacy as well. In Pauper, there's actually already a lot of uh, Monarch cards being played. So the, the way you take it back from each other is just by playing cards that make you the Monarch. So, um, yeah, it's not quite as obscenely oppressive, I think, there because there's... um. Thorn of the Black Rose and Palace Sentinels. That's the ones. So yeah, they do take the, the Monarch back off you quite often, but um, that's the way they beat the blue decks, I think, was by becoming the Monarch and then just keeping it. But now blue can seal it back. So yeah, Rip Pauper. <laughs> nice knowing you. And uh, yeah, I think people can try this in Legacy. It's because there's not that many other Monarch taking cards back. I know like if you just, your opponent has, a, has one creature, you play it on there and then, you know, you run away with the game very easily. The, the downside to this is you do need your opponent to have a creature or yourself, which you tap it down. But um, Oh, that's right. That's right. So this is the downside. I think if you could just play it out without a creature being in play, it might, it would be better than the, uh, it might even be better than the other cards we were talking about earlier, the courts. You could just like go turn three, play this kind of version of a planeswalker that just draws me a card every turn and you can't do anything about it unless you maybe steal the monarchy. Yeah. Um, I think what, what's also like problematic is that at least against Death and Texas, right, they can just like flicker with the creature because the creature is still there unlike with Palace Trailer where it's gone and then they get their creature back. It's true. Yeah, at least you stay the monarch, but yeah. Actually, protecting the monarch is very hard against DNT. So yeah, it probably, it's probably it's not very good for Legacy, but I think people will try it out and see. It's good to be aware of the card at least. Definitely. And there's somebody who's going to try to make it a thing. And now our last card, that's actually, <laughs> that was a special wish from you that we include this one, and that's going to be Merchant Raiders. It's a uh, four mana, three colorless and a blue, two four human pirate. Mm -hmm. when, whenever Merchant Raiders or another pirate enters the battlefield under your control, tap up to one target creature. That creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step for as long as you control Merchant Raiders. Dude, by the way, it's really about time. They they keyword that. Just call it like freeze. <laughs> yeah, freeze. That totally. would be so flavorful. Yeah. Merchant Raider freezes target creature. Ah, oh, this makes so much sense. I never even thought of that. That's so, yeah. Some, yeah. Like, like the keyword in mill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Only thing to say, Richard and Cutpurse just got stronger. And uh, Padfoot, whatever. And Brigand. Richard and Brigand, like, oh my god. These cards were insane already. And now... I think Popeye is just like elevated to tier zero, 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 <laughs> one, whatever, however high you can get. So, yeah. Talk about saving it for the next Legacy GP when oh, none shit. of that is actually even in sight. I wasn't meant to say anything. I forgot. Yeah, we're going to play it in, in the next, I don't know. By the way, isn't there, isn't there like in, in December this, this big Legacy Showcase qualifier? I hope I nailed it this time coming up. Uh... <laughs> I think there is. is the, there? the thing with like only 24 people. Oh. I'm super hyped for it, but I don't even know what it actually is. You know, I, I'm not sure. 
But you, you once were the guy who literally fully understood how the, the Magic Online ecosystem worked with regards yeah. to all the different types of tournaments. I understand how it works, but I'm just not sure when it is. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, That's it fair. might be coming up. Yeah, I just wanted to throw this this uh, silly Popeye joke in there. It's got cool flavor text as well. It says, tell you what, you keep the rope. It's very, very kind of those pirates to keep the rope. <laughs> um, but while we're on the, that subject of uh, events, I want to just shout out um, Four Seasons people, the Italians. So Marco Mail, who streams like every single day, and True Hero, who's streaming, I think, every single day. Uh, if you're not aware of them, go check them out on Twitch. They're excellent players. They're always winning and stuff. It's pretty cool. And they're playing new decks all the time. And uh, they're part of the Four Seasons thing. And we're going to put the... Total, total landscaping thing? Total landscaping. What? <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. Um, four, four Seasons is an event in Italy. And they historically... Allegedly. Did, allegedly. Uh, in front of some Dude, there's going to be so many jokes about it next time this happens. Oh, God. Yeah, it's true. It's true, isn't it? While, while events were happening, they did four per year, I believe. And they, they're trying to do the next one in um, December the 6th, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll post it in the show notes because I can't remember exactly which day it is, but I think it's December the 6th where they're doing an online event. And uh, the information will be in the link. But they're also doing a Legacy Unchained-esque event on the 29th of December. Again, I think this is off the top of my head. I'm going to... Maybe it's the 27th. I think it's the 27th. We'll post it in the show notes because I can't remember. But um, this... They're going to have a custom unbanned list, so uh, and people are going to be sharing things each each um, each day. So we've already got we've got balance unbanned, we've got Yorgmoth bargain unbanned. Wait, sorry, sorry to stop you there. We got balance unbanned. Yep, 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 yep. Holy, f okay, okay. How does it work? Like, you got my curiosity now. You have my interest. Or yeah, the so, other way so it's gonna, it's going to be run on MTG Melee, which is like how Anorak's thing did it, and it's going to be played on Magic Online, and um, I think the the buy-in is just like. 10 euros or something and uh yeah they're unbanning about 15 ish 20 cards which are currently banned and it's going to be a free-for-all you can be... play four balance in that format you can play four balance in that format i mean we we had legacy unchained with you know chakmat's bargain which like wasn't anywhere near as good as, no, as no. people would think it was but balance is pretty um, busted <laughs> balance is incredibly busted I, <laughs> balance I, like literally is gonna make your opponent discard the hand on the first turn yeah for so two we'll mana. See. i mean i i've seen some of the other unbans and there's some other pretty damn good cards on there so um i'm really really super excited for it because i just love doing different silly things like i think people need to go into it and accept that you're going to get balanced on turn one with no cards and you, you need to accept that crazy stuff is going to happen but it's a really really fun experiment because as we saw with unchained is it going to be streamed i hope so I, I think they're going to plan to at the very least i'm going to play in it and i'll probably stream it at the very very least um it's going to be awesome like a proper you, event you, you're going to let me know when that happens because i actually want, I, I want to be part of that because i Definitely. want to put Erario into play on the first turn and then i want to balance them <laughs> and they're going to be like i can't do anything about this that is so mean Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I still can't believe you would unbanned spell anyway. <laughs> there is, um, as I said, we'll put the there's a Facebook event with all the information, and again, check out Marco Mail um, and True Hero on Twitch. They're always streaming, and they're guys that are part of it. And um, yeah, join the absolute madness soon. Before we quit, we we actually have one listener question, which uh, we forgot to actually answer while we were talking about those specific cards oh, from. Oops. Yeah, from Franco Boligestern. 
Does it actually say Bodygaster now? <laughs> <laughs> this is German. This is German that was added. Gaster <laughs> means yesterday. Uh, that's probably... Okay. From Franco Bolli. He's asking about Opposition Agent and High Breacher. You, you know, this is like one of those fuck, marry, kill things, except here it's main deck sideboard. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to put one in your main deck and the other one in your sideboard. Which one goes into main deck? I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think Opposition Agent, main deck, and High Breacher sideboard. Yeah, same for me. Just Definitely off the like back this. of Agent hits more decks simply I, I think it's pretty clear cut and i think it's a more powerful card um how yeah. could be a better card against some other decks like um like, like snow potentially and omnitel kind of things and stuff like that but um opposition agent just hits more yeah that's exactly how we would do it as well so yeah so if if you want to ask us questions like that for future episodes of the podcast you can join our discord community uh you can join us on patreon.com slash everyday channel and yeah this week no new patreons but lots of support in the discord um i've actually been working to make this a lot bigger and i, I think i haven't shown it to you yet but the new logo should be out in 10 days from now at least according to to my artist and also like the website and there's going to be a lot of new features um i've got a couple of people but I don't have them working on it as a, as if I was their employee. I just like, <laughs> I'm cooperating with a couple of people to to make something really cool work, and be 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 tuned, be be excited for this. This is going to be great, mm-hmm. and I mean we really couldn't do this without all the people supporting us. Like I I just took the, some of the money from Patreon just to pay you know for hosting and um, for some of the work that was done on that. So people, we really couldn't do it without you. So. Thank you to everyone who subbed to our to our Patreon, and especially you know to our long tier supporters on the Eternal Witness tier: Valerio, Tommy Hanks, Trent Browers, Testicular, Moritz Vogel, and our Grizzled Brand tier supporters: Victor Bernatzt, Baju Bat, Scott Monroe, Kudish Aliste, Jeremy Gates, and Henry Korkutz. Seriously, thank you so much for that. Thank you for making all of what's come possible, and I think we're we're gonna call it a day here. Yeah, I think we we got recovered. Awesome. So submit your questions for Mark Eric Vogt for next week about legacy, particularly miracles, but really just about anything, how one can become as good as he is. And that's that's gonna be it from us. So we're gonna be back next week. Bye bye. See you. Bye everyone.